0: A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. So then, putting away falsehood, let us all speak truth to our neighbors, for we are all members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing rather than let Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I did a little weeding in just one of the beds that borders our front lawn, and at first I didn't have the right tools, so many of the weeds that I pulled didn't get pulled up by the root, and of course they sprang back almost immediately. But then I did get the right tools and I was able to get the rest of the weeds out by the root, but then I haven't planted anything. And so, duh, over the last few weeks, more and more weeds have been enjoying themselves in my yard. Gardening is not something that I am good at, but it is an apt metaphor for our interior life in so many ways. In the same way that doing nothing in my yard has resulted in all manner of thorns, thistles, and weeds, so too if I neglect my interior life, things don't simply remain neutral. As St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Ephesians that we just heard read, our words and actions carry real potential to harm or heal those around us. And our words and actions are deeply rooted pun intended, in the soil of our interior life. Anger, especially, is one of those passions that can seemingly come out of nowhere. As so many of the great fathers and mothers of the church have pointed out repeatedly in the words of one such father, it is not in our power to determine whether we are disturbed by these thoughts, lust, anger, despondency, pride, etc., But it is up to us to decide if they are to linger within us or not. Back to gardening. Weeds. Where do they come from? This is maybe the greatest mystery in all of life. Can you entirely control weeds from arising in your garden? No. But you can decide how long to let them stay there. Evagrius tells us that the most fierce passion is anger that it constantly irritates the soul and above all, at the time of prayer, seizes the mind. And yet, St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, in your anger, do not sin, which suggests that anger itself is not necessarily sinful. So what are we to make of such a thing that has such capacity for destruction? If it's not entirely sinful, what is anger for? Here again, Evagrius and others in the early church can't help us. Evagrius says, Anger is by nature designed for waging war with the demons and for struggling with every kind of sinful pleasure. Therefore, he says, Angels, arousing spiritual pleasure in us and giving us to taste its blessedness, incline us to direct our anger against the demons. But... The demons enticing us toward worldly lusts make us use anger to fight with men, which is against nature, so that the mind thus stupefied and darkened should become a traitor to the virtues. You get what he's saying? Anger is there to be used in our battle against sin and the demonic, and yet the demons themselves entreat us to turn our anger against our fellow man and we're back to the same problem that we see again and again. We are enticed to confuse the victims of our enemy, other people, with our enemy, demons, the devil, and death. This is tricky, right? Anger when held rightly can actually be a helpful tool in getting the weeds of bitterness and malice out by the root. When we are able to see clearly that the devil and his demons have lied to us, preyed upon our weaknesses, and incited us to give ourselves over to death, there can be a sort of anger that causes us to rise up and rid ourselves of sinful attitudes and desires that are such death dealers in our lives. But when we direct anger toward our fellow human beings, it can be most destructive. And in a culture like ours, where nearly all of us have so criminally neglected our interior lives, a spark of anger can result in a conflagration every bit as immense and destructive as the forest fires that continue to rage in our region. When anger is allowed to linger over time, it turns into poisonous bitterness. And bitterness erupts almost like acid reflux, into slander and malicious speech and action. Our medical research is just now catching up to what the desert fathers and mothers knew over 15 centuries ago, that these poisonous dispositions wreak havoc not just on our souls, but on our physical bodies. I think it's instructive to realize that oftentimes anger is a response to being hurt or wronged by someone. It's a response to the infringement of our rights or being disrespected or disregarded in some way. But anger is also often a Halloween mask worn by fear or grief. And so it's important for us to try to get to the root of our anger to understand what it's trying to tell us. And from there, the way that we tend the gardens of our souls and hearts is by remaining vigilant within ourselves. Again, most of us have not learned well how to do the work of a gardener in our interior lives, and without realizing it, we have spent much of our lives rehearsing the wrongs that have been committed against us, or fantasizing about putting someone in their place or setting the record straight. And the more that we meditate upon these things, the more we begin to feel vindicated in ourselves, and the more we diminish those who have wronged us into something subhuman or irredeemable. This is what the demons incite us to do. So, step one, identify your anger, and try to recognize if it's masking something else or if it's the result of a perceived slight or offense, or an actual slight or offense. Step two is unplug that movie projector in your imagination that keeps looping the reel of all of the ways that you are right and the other person is wrong over and over again in your mind. You gotta just pull the plug on that movie. It takes time but we have to get in the habit of uprooting these weeds as they appear because as I am learning in my own yard, it is so much easier to pull out the weeds when they are young and small than when they are big and mature. But we can't end there. There's a house in my neighborhood that makes me feel better about my yard. It's been abandoned for so long that the blackberries that surround the literally the entire yard have grown up over the roof of this house. So some hardworking dude came in and cut the blackberries back and got them out of there, and then the property sat untended. And guess what came back? The thistles need to be uprooted and then the yard needs to be planted with things that are good and beautiful so too with our interior lives. We must rid ourselves of noxious and poisonous anger, bitterness, rage, malice, and slander, and we must be filled with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. And here again, the great doctors of the church have much to teach us. As you meditate upon their writings, you begin to realize this isn't Rocket science, really, it's not complicated, it's just not easy for us to do. But if you hold on to an offense done to you, you remain in anger, and you allow bitterness to take root. But when you forgive those who have wronged you, the anger and the bitterness dissipate. So how do we plant the sweet-smelling herbs of kindness, compassion, and forgiveness in the garden of our lives? Abba Nihilus tells us prayer is the seed of gentleness and the absence of anger. Prayer is the seed of gentleness and the absence of anger. As Christ himself says to us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. To channel St. John Chrysostom, to stand before God in prayer, while retaining anger and bitterness toward our brothers and sisters, is as insane as using your best serving dishes to pick up dog dew in your backyard. The two things cannot coexist. And we, as the temple of the Spirit, who pour forth praise to God, must rid ourselves of anger toward our fellow man. And when we pray for those who have wronged us, we are given a glimpse of God's forbearance toward us, and we become like Christ. If you want to be like God, forgiving the people around you is the surefire way to do it. So, if you'll allow me, I'd like to uh, take the bull by the horns or address the elephant that I placed in this room last week. As I announced at our parish meeting that Uh, some of us are going to be exploring orthodoxy. And I'm recognizing more and more over this week that for many of us this has been very difficult. And I realize, and I'm quite sure, that some of you actually feel wronged by me for having done what I've done. And I'm also quite sure that I have failed in the way that I have tried to go about it in more ways than I even recognize in the way that I have gone about doing this, in the words that I've said or the things that I have not said or in the tone in which I've said them. And in those failings, I can only beg your forgiveness. As I say to you in the confessional when you come to me, As you begin to leave after confessing your sins, pray for me. I too am a sinner. It's even more probable that even if I didn't directly offend you, that for most of us this process is bringing up old wounds, where those who are supposed to be shepherds in our lives have revealed themselves to be wolves. So I want to say to you, regardless of what happens with our life together, which is obviously starting to change, and whatever comes of our season of exploration, each of us is being presented with an opportunity to become like Christ in the way that we think, speak, and act with compassion and forgiveness toward one another. More than that, many of us are also being presented with an opportunity to heal from past wounds. Many of us have been carrying around wounds for a long time, and it's time now to forgive the wrongs that we have carried with us for many miles. To recognize that in our anger and bitterness, we have held no one captive but ourselves. It's time to be set free. this next season is going to be challenging. And it may not be one that I tried to lay out last week, but many of you have noted last week with the gestational overtones of the the potential nine-month exploration here. And so I just wanna consider that metaphor for a moment. If this is like a conception leading toward birth in some weird way, our bodily system here has just undergone a massive hormonal disruption and we are going to be sick for the next several weeks. And I think that that's okay. Because I think it's allowing things to come up to the surface that again, many of us have been holding on to for years. And it's time for those things to be healed and to be brought out into the light. And in doing so, we have to be active in ridding ourselves of anger, bitterness, malice, and slander. And we must be active in forgiving one another, loving one another, treating one another with gentleness, compassion, and kindness, recognizing that each of us is going to get things wrong as we continue to walk together. We must forbear with one another, so let us walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen.